once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. Look, look. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> that is nothing but a rotten old bottle. There may be something inside it. But I can't see what it is because it's too dirty. scrubbed and polished the bottle until it shone. Then Professor Yaffle could see what was inside it. Inside that bottle, there are some broken scraps of old wood and bits of cloth. I don't know why they're there. So, of course, the only thing to do was to open the bottle. Madeleine the rag doll didn't like that. Stop! Oh, stop! Stop! You're hurting poor Charlie Mouse. Take him out at once. That's right. Now, all you 
have to do is turn the bottle upside down. Then the things will just fall out. There are the things, look. Just a heap of scraps. Now I wonder what that lot was doing in a bottle. Yep, yep. That was once a ship. A ship in a bottle. Bagpuss was amazed. A ship? In a bottle? There's a... a what, I, I mean, what's it doing in a bottle? Where could it sail to? Who could possibly sail in it? It would be much too small. Oh, I don't know. I've heard of some very small ships. I know of a ship that had mice for sailors. All right, all right. I saw a ship a-sailing, a-sailing on the sea. And oh, but it was laden with pretty things for thee. There were comforts in the cabin and apples in the hold. The sails were made of silk and the masts were made of gold. The four and twenty sailors that stood between the decks were four and twenty white mice with chains around their necks. The captain was a duck with a packet on his back. And when the ship began to move, the captain said, quack, quack. Quack, quack. <laughs> what a silly song. Well, I think it's a silly song. <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. Look, the mice have got an organ roll for it. Let's sing it again. The marvelous mechanical mouse organ. just as they were, look. Now, what we need is a story. A magic story. <laughs> a magic story that will put it together again. Bagpuss. Huh? Huh? Bagpuss, you must think of a magic story that will put little broken ships together again. 
Oh, ah, oh. All right then, but I shall need a thinking cap. My old sea captain's cap, yes. I can think in that. Thank you. So Bagpuss thought. He thought so hard, his thoughts appeared like magic. Ah, yes, yes. Hmm, I remember a story. Hmm, it all happened a long time ago, when I was a sea captain and sailed the seven seas. I steered my stout two-masted ship before the western breeze. One day, the breeze forgot to blow. The sea was still, the day was fine. Without a wind, we could not go. So I fetched up my rod and line and settled down to fish. Yes, well, uh, there was nothing else to do, you know. When the wind doesn't blow, the ship doesn't go. But I was Captain Bagpuss. I knew the thing to do. I tied a pearl to the end of the string and baited it with glue. That way I caught a mermaid. A pretty child was she. She sat on my lap in the bosun's cap and we all drank china tea. We talked for a while and I said with a smile, May I ask you a favour, dear please? If I give you this pearl, will you be a good girl and send us a westerly breeze? Delighted, she cried and jumped over the side and she dived with a flick of her tail. But the breeze that she sent was not quite what we meant. For she sent us a terrible gale. The poor ship was tossed and some pieces got lost and the wind blew away our best sail. And then came a thump and a crash and a bump just as if we had tripped over a whale. It wasn't, of course, it was something far worse. We had hit this great island of rocks and our ship was all smashed and we were all dashed on the shore without any dry socks. The storm ended at last and the mermaid came past and she said she was ever so sorry. But it wasn't too tragic, she'd do some more magic and we would have no need to worry. Then all of the mermaids for miles all around went diving and swimming until they had found every piece of our ship from the keel to the tip and laid them all out in a heap on the ground. Then the mermaids began a most beautiful song. And the song they were singing was magic and strong. The effect was unusual but true. For the pieces of ship began to jump and to skip and soon they were dancing and waltzing and prancing and twirling and whirling and squeaking and creaking and stringing and ringing and fitting together in time with the measure. Till when it was ended, the whole thing was mended. The ship was as perfect as new. Uh, uh, did the magic work? There was the ship beside the bottle. Quite perfect. It had been mended by Bagpussy's magic story. All they had to do now was put it back in its bottle and the whole thing would be as good as the day it was made. Hi, just a minute. That ship's too tall. That would never go through the neck of that bottle. No, no, too tall, too small. Yep, 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 yep. It's perfectly simple. Ships in bottles have folding masts. You fold the masts flat and then after the ship is in the bottle you pull the masts up with a piece of cotton which is part of the rigging. Oh, so that's how they put ships into bottles. 
What a clever old bird that woodpecker is. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. Now, come on, mice. Fold the masts carefully. That's right. Now, into the bottle with it. Good. Now, very gently, pull on the cotton. Gently. That's right. Now, all we need is a dab of glue on the front of the ship to fix the cotton. Now, yep, yep, yep. How are you going to do that? Very good, very good, very good. <laughs> now put in the cork and it's done. Push, 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 push. And there it was, as good as new. The mice dragged the bottle to the front of the window and left it there, so that if the person it really belonged to should happen to come past, they would see it there and come in to collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy, cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, 
Wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh, hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. Look, look. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> that is a very dirty, very old piece of rag. I don't know why Miss Emily brought it here. It is much too old and dirty for us to see what it is. If it is anything. Treat it gently, lovingly, and very politely. Ooh, we are very fond of you. We love you very much. That's better. Now, one mouse may very gently brush one part of the cloth with one soft brush. Brush, 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 brush. The mouse brushed very carefully, and very slowly the pattern of the cloth began to show. Was it a pattern, or was it a sort of picture? What was it? What happened? The mice saw something, something that frightened them. What was it? <laughs> that is a picture of an owl. That's all it is. A picture of an owl, and those foolish mice ran away from it. That is a very old picture of an owl. It has ancient Greek writing on it. Athe, which means Athens. That is the obol, the owl of Athens. There, you ignorant mice. If you remember that, you will really know something. The owls of Athens. Yes, they were kings among birds and famous for their beautiful singing. <laughs> no, 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 stuff and nonsense. Owls don't sing. They make a sort of hooting noise, you know, to it, to woo, or words to that effect. Maybe you're right. But I know a very ancient story about the owls of Athens. It may not be true, but it is very, very old. Well, tell it to us then. At night, in the groves of olive trees that grew on the mountainsides above the city of Athens in ancient Greece, the owls of Athens would gather together and sing lovely songs in the moonlight. Think of it, Bagpuss. It was a beautiful sight. Think of it, Bagpuss, please. So Bagpuss thought. 
and as usual, his thoughts appeared like magic. Oh, will that do? That's lovely. The owls of Athens sang so sweetly and beautifully that all the animals would come to listen. This pleased the owls enormously. They said to each other, Surely we are kings and queens, and shall be treated as kings and queens. So the owls told the animals that they would only sing to them if they brought presents. Not just good things to eat, but gold and silver and jewels. Well, the animals loved to hear the owls sing, and so, as they had no gold or silver of their own, they crept into the houses of people and stole gold and silver and jewels and took them to the owls. This pleased the owls very much indeed, and they said, Now we are truly the kings and queens of all. And they sang most sweetly together that night, and the next night, and the night after, and each night the pile of glittering treasure grew larger and larger, until one night, one clear cloudless night, the moon, passing overhead, saw the pile of treasure glittering in her light. Then the moon spoke to the owls. She said, Oh, owls, where did you learn to sing so sweetly? The owls replied, Oh, moon, we did not need to learn. We were born able to sing so sweetly. Are we not kings and queens among birds? Then the moon said, Why do the animals bring you glittering treasure? The owls replied, Oh, moon, they bring us treasure because we told them that if they didn't, we wouldn't sing to them. Are we not the cleverest of all birds? The moon didn't answer. She sailed away through the sky on her journey. But as she went, she spoke one word of magic. At once there came into the world a number of small, brown, ordinary-looking birds. At least, they looked ordinary. But the moon called them nightingales and perched them in the very tops of the trees. The next night, the owls sang together as usual, but no animals came to hear them. Nobody brought them treasure. They sang alone in the empty grove. An owl said, Why has nobody come to hear us sing? Mother owl said, Listen. All around them, in the tops of the trees, the nightingales were singing. As they listened, the owls knew that the singing of nightingales was far sweeter than the singing of owls, and they knew that nobody would ever come to hear them again, or bring them gold and silver and jewels. The owls were angry. They were furious. Who could have played such a trick on them? They saw the moon smiling. You, you moon, they hooted. You moon, you are who? You. That is the sort of song for owls to sing, laughed the moon. And that shall be their song. And so, from that day to this, that has been the song of the owls. <laughs> yes, 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 quite right and proper. Those owls were proud and mean. I think it was a sad story. Poor owls. Look at this, everybody. 
You can see all the story in the pattern. I wonder what it is. I know what that is. That is a cushion cover. It was the cover of a cushion for a king. The cover of a cushion for a king? That's right. He must have been a very small king. He was very small and very bony and cold too in places. I know. The bony king of nowhere. That's right. Come on, mice. There's a roll of music somewhere. The bony king of nowhere, he sat upon his throne. He didn't much like sitting there because his throne was, his throne was made of stone. His throne was made of marble white, its feet were made of gold. It was a royal throne, all right, but oh dear, it was, it was extremely cold. That skinny king of nowhere. Very chilly, he said to go on sitting there was really very and also very chilly. He jumped up on the tea table and said, Please, will you find a seat that's soft and suitable to warm a king's bit? Just see what you can find. They fetched him up a hammer, but they couldn't keep it still. They put him rocking horse, the rocking made him, it made him very ill. They sat him on the wool sack, but that rubbed up his knees. They rolled him on a feather bed, but that just made him, it simply made him sneeze. That poor old king of nowhere, sat there looking sad he said if you could help me i'd be very very particularly glad two mice came up from somewhere behind their royal chum they said dear king here is a thing to warm the royal and stop you feeling numb the thing it was a cushion bright of silk and gold brocade so square and soft and small and light and very neatly of silk and gold brocade. Now the happy king of nowhere is smiling on his throne. His smile is rosy, his seat is cosy, although his throne is stone, is stone. The mice are made it nice, so nice he is a happy king. So they have look. While they were singing, the mice had mended the cushion and stuffed it and edged it with gold braid until it was clean and bright and soft and certainly fit for a, well, certainly fit for a king. So Bagpuss placed the cushion neatly in the front of the window and left it there so that if the person it really belonged to should happen to come past, they would see it and come into the shop to collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep.
And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing and she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss who was in the shop window fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. Look, look. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. Yep, well, that's a heap of bits and pieces of metal. Painted or enameled by the look of them. I haven't the slightest idea of what they are. Bagpuss, what do you think they are? Who? 
Ah, oh, I really don't know. I think one of them looks a bit like a bird. Yes. And the other one? I think it's a cat. is all very well, but it doesn't tell us anything more about what these things are. I think they are all that is left of the crown and jewels of a frog princess. A frog princess? Ridiculous! There's no such thing. There are in fairy stories. All right, all right. I'll tell you a story. In fact, I will sing you a story if Gabriel will please play for me and Bagpuss will please think for me. Oh, all right. What shall I think of? Think of a beautiful water princess wearing a tiny silver crown. Oh, yes. Yes, all right. With pleasure. There, a water princess. Thank you. tell you of a princess, a lovely sad princess who lived in the depths of a cool mountain pool. Her crown it shone bright as the frost in the moonlight. Her heart it was sad as she sat on her stool. For all she ever saw there, the lords by the so perfect that each one a fool. They said you must choose me, it's useless to refuse me, you know you must marry cause that is the rule. There you see, that was the rule. A water princess had to marry somebody, but the trouble was she didn't like any of those proud, stupid water lords. She just couldn't bring herself to choose one of them. But suddenly, she had an idea. Then the princess replied that at last she decided. She smiled very sweetly and gave a deep sigh. Then she cried, I will marry the one who will carry the crowd. 
which she sped, took the crown from her pretty head and threw it as high as she could in the sky. Eh? What? That's not the end of the story. What happened next? You can't just stop in the middle of the story like that. What did the Water Lords do next? Oh, they're still looking for the crown, I expect. You can see them sometimes. Oh, the Water Lords took magic and they flew up in the skies. Their floats were turned to wings and they flew in on their sides. Here they fluttered, here they scattered, here they hovered, hot and bothered. And you and I would call them dragonflies. If you sit beside a pool and a summer evening's cool, see their shining bodies gleam as they flit above the stream. They would cause you no surprise. We would call them dragonflies. Yes, you and I would call them dragonflies. <laughs> Nonsense! Rubbish! Dragonflies are just dragonflies. They aren't water princes searching for anything. They're just sort of large flies. I know, I know. It's only a story. Not a word of it is true. It's a watery fairy tale. Yes, I dare say. But whatever sort of story it is, you haven't finished it yet. I mean, what happened to the crown? Oh, I don't know. I expect it fell back into the water and she collected it later. No, she didn't. Eh? Didn't she? No. I'll tell you what happened. That was a watery fairy tale, so this is a frog fairy tale. Now then, I'll tell you. Bagpuss? Uh, eh? What? On that pond there was a lily pad, and on that lily pad there was a frog. A frog, you know, a bit like me, only greener. A frog on a lily pad? Oh, well. Oh, all right, if you insist. That's right, well, this frog, he looked up and he saw the crown flying past. He thought it was a fly, so he shoots out his long tongue and catches it. Glop, just like that. Luckily, he didn't swallow it. He didn't fancy the taste of it, and he spat it out. Now, he, he saw what it was, and being a frog and sensible, he dived into the water with it. He knew the princess would be pleased to have her crown back and would give him a reward. So he took the crown back to the princess and gave it to her. But for some reason, she didn't seem all that pleased to get it. She looked sad and she said, So you have brought me back my crown. And the frog said, uh, Yes, I have. I thought you'd like it back. The princess looked even sadder. And now, I suppose, you'll claim your reward. Oh, well, I wouldn't put it quite like that, said the frog, but, uh, yes, well, you know, a trifle for me trouble would be welcome. The princess heaved a heavy sigh. Ah, me, it is my fault for being so proud. But what must be, must be. Frog, I will marry you. You will do no such thing, said the frog. But I must said the princess. I said I would marry whoever brought back my crown. And you brought it back, so it is you I must marry. But I'm a frog. I don't want to marry a princess. 
I just thought you'd like your crown back and uh, you might give me a reward or something. I fancied one of your crystallised starberries or a glacé lugworm. I'm sorry, said the princess. I must keep my promise. But don't worry, I do not have to marry you as you are. This is a fairy tale and I have but to place a tender magic kiss upon your ugly brow and you will turn into a handsome prince. Oh, no, you don't, said the frog, keeping well out of reach. I'm frog and I want to stay frog. I'm not turning into any handsome prince, thank you very much. The princess sighed again. Oh, frog, how sensible you are. You've no idea how boring it is being a beautiful princess surrounded by all those proud, stupid lords. I often wish I could be something ordinary, like a frog. Well, why didn't you say so in the first place, said the frog. He hopped forward and placed a tender magic kiss upon the princess's brow. At once, in a flash of watery magic, the princess became a frog. A green, knobbly, squishy frog, just like him. They were married and lived happily ever after. There, that's how all the best fairy tales end. Frog fairy tales are no different from any others. <laughs> it is a bit different, I should say. Frogs, indeed. <laughs> what happened to the princess's crown and her jewels and things? Well, you know what happened. They turned into the crown and jewels of a frog princess. Only, of course, she wasn't a princess anymore, so she just swam away and left them. There they are. Of course. Jewels for a frog princess. Of course. Jewels for a frog princess. And so the mice pulled it to the front of the window and left it there. So that if a frog princess, or whoever it really belonged to, should happen to come past, they would see it and come into the shop and collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. 
it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. <coughs> and last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. Well, it's quite obvious what that is. That is one dirty old shoe without any laces. Whatever is the use of one shoe? You couldn't wear it. You'd have to hop everywhere. You can't do anything with it. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. You can do something with it. Old shoes are good shoes. Oh, yes, yes. Well, what can you do with an old shoe? You can live in it. Live in it? Yes, of course. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. Come on, mice. Have you got a roll of music for your mouse organ?
four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Oh, stop, 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 stop. This is getting very silly. Too silly. I would not have anything more to do with you until you are properly serious. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't look a very serious sort of shoe to me. I'm sure there are lots of things one can use one shoe for. Uh, lots of things. Uh, if I can think of any. I can think of one. Oh, can you, Charlie Mouse? Well, you tell me what you think, and I'll think too. I would like to sail it. Sail it? Yes, sail it like a boat. Sail it down the stream. Oh. Sail it. Yes. Sail a boat. A boat. Fetch the sails. Come on, fetch the paddles. Look, these will do. Look, feathers for oars. I'm ready. top of the stair. Well, over the stairs they went, they went, over the stairs they went. Bing, bang, bong, go, bump, heavily down the stairs. Bingo-ty, bango-ty, bongo-ty, bumpety, down the apples and pears. They picked them up from their awful fall and dusted off their knees. Then down the hall by the kitchen wall they rode and you could hear them call. Or you could if they hadn't been quite so small. Where is that Stilton cheese, that cheese? Where is that lovely cheese? Roll, roll, roll the boat over the kitchen floor. Ringly, rungly, into the tunnel, under the larder door. They searched the dishes and tried to spot them. Find me a nice bit, please. 
Twas slippery there, but they had forgotten. They tripped and slipped in something rotten and covered themselves from top to bottom with stinking Stilton cheese, with cheese revolting Stilton cheese. Those, those, close your what a dreadful pog. Sneakily, spokily, clinkily, spokily, what a smelly song. The mice decided they needed a wash, they smelt a bit, it's true. They filled the basin with orange squash and jumped right in with a splish and a splosh to wash and polish until they were posh and sticky and pretty as new as new stickily pretty as new Row, row, hum and boat sticky with orange squash niggly, stickily, gluily, gummily what a lot of bosh You're quite right there <laughs> what a lot of bosh indeed I've never heard such rubbish. I've never heard such a smelly, sticky song. That song can't possibly have done any good at all to that poor shoe. That's a that good song. Yes, mice like that song. Let's all wash songs. Go away. Fiddlesticks and flapdoodle. Stop quarrelling at once. I'm sure it's a lovely song if you happen to like that sort of thing. But Yaffle is quite right. We should be looking after the shoe, not singing songs and playing about. It's time for working now, not for singing. Now, mice, if you look in my workbox, you will find some fine satin ribbon for laces and some glittery sequins to stick on the shoe to make it look pretty. Oh, yes, and some of you must brush it and clean it carefully. All right. Well, what are you all standing there for? Mice like to sing. Mice not sing, mice not work, mice strike. Oh, indeed. Oh, all right, mice. You can sing as long as you work as well. We will lace it, we will braise it, we will glitter it prettily pink. We will sponge it, then we'll sponge it. We will bring it up soft as mink. We will smooth it, we will improve it, we will polish it, pink, pink, pink. We will hush it, love it, flush it. That is better now, don't you think? That is better now, don't you think? Oh, yes, that is much better. Much, much better. Look, everybody, a beautiful ballet shoe, fit for a prima ballerina. Yep, what, what, eh, uh, what is a prima ballerina? Don't you know that? Don't you know Why, Yaffle, I thought you knew everything. Well, um, not everything. Not quite everything. A prima ballerina is a ballet dancer, the chief ballet dancer, the most important dancer of all, who dances all by herself. Charming, charming, oh, 
quite charming. Oh, delightful. Oh, I am moved. What a delightful young lady. Oh, mice, mice, dear mice. Do please wind her up and play her again. and put the shoe in the window. So the mice pulled the shoe to the front of the window and left it there, so that if a prima ballerina should happen to come past, she would see it and come in to collect it. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep, too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing.
Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. What a soggy looking thing. It's a dirty old sort of bag with legs made of tartan cloth. I haven't the slightest idea of what it is. I really don't know why Miss Emily brings us things like this. So we can mend them, of course. Clean them and restore them into the beautiful things they once were. Yep, yep, that's all very well. But we don't know what it once was. Well, we can try and think of things it might have been. Gabriel, what do you think? It looks a bit froggish, but it has a tartan coat. Is it a Scottish frog? No. Frogs have different sort of legs. And anyway, Scottish frogs are green or brownish, just like frogs anywhere else. I've never seen a tartan frog. Bagpuss, you are good at thinking. If this isn't a Scottish frog, what is it? Oh, oh, that's difficult. I shall need a thinking cap. Here's one. Will this do? Ah, a tartan thinking cap, a tam-o-shanter. Oh, thank you. Let me see if I can think Scottish thoughts in a Scottish thinking cap. So Bagpuss thought. Oh, yes, I think I know what that is. I think that is a sort of small, soft Hamish. And what is a small, soft Hamish, if you please? Ah, it's an old story. A sad story from the highlands of Scotland, I will tell you. In the far north of Scotland, there once was a sort of creature who lived in lonely, cold, damp places. They kept away from people and lived alone because they were shy and rather frightened sort of creatures. In fact, they were completely unknown for many centuries and didn't even have a name until they were discovered by the famous Tavish McTavish. Now, Tavish McTavish lived all by himself in a tiny house high up in the mountains. He lived there not because he liked to live alone, but because he liked to play the bagpipes. He liked to play the bagpipes, but other people didn't like to listen to him playing the bagpipes, because he played them terribly badly. Anyway, one evening he was stamping up and down the shelf beside his house in the last of the twilight. He was stamping to keep his feet warm and blowing away at his bagpipes. It began to grow dark. He stopped playing and turned to go indoors. He heard a faint noise. It sounded, it sounded like, yes, it sounded like somebody playing the bagpipes. He listened delighted. The sound was terrible. There was only one person in the Highlands who played the bagpipes worse than he did, and that was his long-lost brother, Hamish McTavish. The sound came closer. In the dark, a small, humpy shape came towards him. He reached down and touched the shape, and said, thinking it was his long-lost brother, "'Tis very small ye are tonight, Hamish.' 
He patted it and said, "'Tis very soft ye are tonight, Hamish." There was no answer. Tavish McTavish was feeling cold about the knees, and he said, "'You'll have had your tea then, Hamish.' And as there was no reply, he led the way into his house. There, by the light of his oil lamp, he turned to greet his brother. They were both amazed at what they saw. Tavish McTavish was amazed because it wasn't his long-lost brother Hamish, but a small, soft creature. And the small, soft creature was amazed because he thought he had heard another small, soft creature, perhaps his own long-lost brother, crying for help in the cold winter twilight, and had come to help him. Well, once they got over their surprise, they found they were rather pleased to see each other. McTavish made up the fire and closed the door, and they sat down. McTavish sat on a stool by the fire, hugging his cold knees, but the small, soft creature liked the cold, so it sat on the floor and leaned on the door, thus blocking up a rather nasty draught. Tavish McTavish called the creature Hamish in honour of his long-lost brother, and they lived there in the lonely house for a long time. They were very happy together for many years, and then, one evening, as they sat quietly by the fire, they heard a sound they recognised. Was it the distant sound of badly played bagpipes, or was it the distant crying of another soft Hamish? Tavish McTavish looked at his friend. He said, Is it my long-lost brother we hear playing a scuttle on the bagpipes? The soft Hamish shook its head. Is it your own long-lost brother calling you to come home? asked McTavish. The soft Hamish nodded and looked very sad. Aye, you must go to your own folk, said McTavish. He rose to his feet, he opened the door, and he saw in the twilight a line of small, soft Hamishes standing waiting for their long-lost brother. His own soft Hamish ran to join them, and they all walked away in line over the hill. The noise they made as they sang together was quite awful, but Tavish McTavish stood and listened until the last notes had died away in the distance. Then he went back into his little house. He picked up his bagpipes, but he didn't feel like playing them any more. Aye, he said, that's time to go to my own folk. He put on his boots, closed the door of his house, and... Tucking his bagpipes under his arm, he walked down to the village where he had been born. He went to live with his sister-in-law, Mavis McTavish. She was a strict lady and did not like the sound of bagpipes, and he never played them again. It's, it's a very sad story. <laughs> it's not only sad, it is silly. It's not only silly, it is not true. There's no such thing as a small, soft Hamish that makes noises like bagpipes. It is all nonsense. It's quite obvious what that thing is. It is a porcupine. A porcupine? Yes. A porcupine without any spikes. But there's no such thing. Porcupines have spikes. Well, uh, <laughs> maybe it lost them somewhere. What we need is a good song to encourage it to grow some new spikes. Porcupine.
A friend of mine, a porcupine, went up in a balloon. He sailed it here, he sailed it there, he sailed it nearly everywhere, except perhaps the moon. He sailed with ease across the seas, an inch above the waves, and only joked at getting soaked, at which an ancient codfish croaked, how nicely he behaves. He sailed it rough with snarling tough while animals below. He He sailed it hot above a lot of scorching desert sand. He sailed it cold, as I've been told, where crowds of happy penguins hold their slippers hand in hand. He sailed it high beyond the sky, and then I must explain. A spiky spine, a porcupine, popped his balloon so proud and fine, and brought it down again. <laughs> I must say, that doesn't seem to have had any effect on the poor thing. Well. I should have thought a song like that would, uh, would rather put it off growing spikes, not made it want to grow them. Of course, how silly we are. That thing is quite all right, just as it is. Yes, but what is it? Oh, it's a porcupine, all right, but it's meant to have no spikes. You add the spikes. It's a pincushion, a porcupine pincushion. Oh, a porcupine pine cushion, a pin. Pi no, a porcupine pincushion. <laughs> A porcupine cushion. That's what it is. All we need is pins. Here's a pin and here's a pingle. Porcupines are always single. Poor old times, they must not mingle. Pingle, tangle, pingle. Here's a pin and here's a pingle. Porcupines are always single. Poor old times, they must not mingle. Poor old times, they There it is, a perfect porcupine, porcupine pin cushion. The mice pulled it to the front of the window so that if anybody should happen to come past who had happened to lose a porcupine pin cushion, they would come in and collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And, of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep, too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker.
even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing and she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss who was in the shop window fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. Look, look. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> now what's all this? Bits and pieces. Broken bits and pieces of things.
Ah, yes, a turtle. Look, everybody, a turtle. Oh, it's alive! It's real! It's no, no, it isn't real. It's only a model of a turtle. Oh, no, turtles live a long way away across the sea. Uh, at least I think so. Madeleine, do you know if there are any real turtles living around here? Oh, no. This country is too cold for turtles to live out of doors. There may be some in zoos and special places like that. Yes, that's right. The only turtles around here that I've ever heard of were very cold and sad and very glad to go home to Montego Bay. Oh, yes. How did they go home? Shall I tell you? All right, then. If you get the roll of turtle music... Tropical homeland so far, far away. Oh, the turtles, they wept as they swam round their lily pool. We wish we could just see our loved ones one day. Said one, though you may think that I am a silly fool to go there by boats a convenient way. Of a red bus, they just held out a hand. Took a tenpenny ride to the dark lands of Liverpool, and there they set sail for their long lost homeland. Oh, the turtles were happy and shouted, Away we go, the ship for them over the blue briny sea. Until they hoped to win the Bay of Montego, and there all their uncles and aunts they did see. <laughs> what a pretty song. How nice. I did enjoy that. I do like a song with a happy ending. <laughs> it was a lot of rubbish, of course, absolute rubbish. <laughs> Turtles don't go on ships and buses. Turtles don't even weep. It's all nonsense. And in any case, we haven't fitted all the pieces together yet, have we? What about those other pieces? Hmm? We will fit it up. We will fit it up. We will fit it up. Bit by bit. We locate it. Complicate it. Find each bit and make it fit. Find each bit and make it fit. Look at that. That's a little man. He's a funny-looking little chap, isn't he? <laughs> He's not a funny-looking chap, as you put it. <laughs> he is a Chinese gentleman of great wisdom and respectability. I think his name is Huang Hai. And if I am right, he is the wise man of Ling Po. Yes, well, I dare say, but Bagpuss, you must think some Chinese thoughts for me. Chinese thoughts? Oh, dear, I don't know. Uh, I think I shall need a Chinese thinking cap to think Chinese thoughts. Come on, let's try Bagpuss a thinking cap. I can a cap. 
Uh, yes, yes, thank you, yes. Hmm. Now, what Chinese thoughts shall I think? <laughs> yes, uh, the wise man of Lingpo lived on an island. It was an island in the middle of a Chinese lake. An island in the middle of a Chinese lake. How about that? Yeah, that will do nicely. I will begin the story. It was a long time ago. There lived on an island by a lake in Lingpo a wise man. He was very old and very wise, and all he wanted to do was sit beside the lake and think, and watch the leaves growing on the trees. His favourite companions were the turtles, who would come out of the water to sit beside him. The wise man particularly liked the turtles because they didn't talk or ask him silly questions. They would just bow politely to him and he would bow politely to them and they would sit in the sun. The wise man and the turtles would have been perfectly happy except for the fact that there was a bridge between the island and the shore. And over this bridge would come the people of Lingpo to ask the wise man questions and bring him presents. The wise man was always polite to them. <laughs> he usually thought their questions were silly, and he didn't really want their presents. But he was happy to put up with them until the day they brought him soup. Yes, one day a person came over the bridge to the island and presented the wise man with a bowl of soup. Now this person said it was exceptionally delicious soup. It was a new recipe. Everybody thought it was marvellous. It was turtle soup. Now it was many years since the wise man had been angry, but the thought that he was being offered soup made from his best friends displeased him so much that he threw the soup, bowl and all, at the grinning face of the silly person, and then drove him from the island with a big stick. <laughs> the wise man was really furious. He said, The people of Lingpo are stupid as well as silly. I will have nothing more to do with them. I will break the bridge so they cannot come to my island. Then the wise man took his big hammer and walked across the bridge. As he crossed each section of the bridge, he swung his hammer, thump, thump, and smashed the piece of bridge he had just crossed. Thump, 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 thump. The people of Lingpo watched him, and they were amazed. They had always thought of him as a wise man, and here he was doing something very silly. He was breaking his own bridge. When he reached the shore, the wise man spoke to the people. He said, The turtles are my friends and do you no harm. Please do not catch them and make them into soup. Then the people said, Why should we do what you say? And the wise man replied, Because I am the wise man of Lingpo and the turtles are my friends. Then the people laughed. They said, You were once the wise man of Lingpo, but now you are the silly man of Lingpo because you have broken your bridge. The wise man said, I do not need the bridge anymore. I shall live on my island alone and have nothing more to do with you. Then the people laughed still more. How will you get to your island, you silly wise man? You have broken your own bridge. Then the wise man said, I am the wise man and I know many things you do not know. I tell you to stop catching turtles and making them into soup. And now I will go home. The people were still laughing as he walked down to the edge of the water. <laughs> but they stopped laughing very suddenly when they saw him walk briskly across the surface of the water and step onto his island, without, it seemed, 
getting more than the soles of his feet wet. They said, that wise man must be very wise and full of magic. We must do as he says. So the people stopped catching turtles, and the wise man lived happily alone on the island. Oh, uh, is that the end of the story? Certainly. How else would it end? But how did he walk back to his island? He wasn't really doing magic, was he? No, of course not. Bagpuss, think about what the turtles were doing while the wise man was talking to the people. Oh, yes, of course, the turtles, yes. Yes, the wise man's friends, the turtles. They piled themselves up on the bed of the lake and made stepping stones just under the surface of the water. Then the wise man just stepped from one pile of turtles to the next. And as he stepped off, the turtles swam away. <laughs> the people of Lingpo never found out what had happened. <laughs> they thought it was all magic, and they never caught turtles again. Also, they couldn't cross to the island to ask the wise man silly questions. So he just sat beside the lake, thinking his thoughts and watching the leaves growing on the trees. Sometimes he would catch a turtle's eye, and then they would nod and smile to each other as they remembered how they had fooled everybody. But most of the time, they just sat in the sun and were happy. Of course, of course. Chinese are very courteous and polite people. Now, mice, take them and put them in the window. So the mice pulled them to the front of the window and left them there, bowing and nodding to each other, so that if anybody who had lost a Chinese wise man and a turtle should happen to come past, he would see them there and come in to collect them. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy, cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. 
Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine the rag doll. Gabriel the toad. <coughs> and last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. Well, that is a pink elephant. It's made of straw, it's very catty, and it hasn't any ears. I'm not surprised it looks sad. Yes, it does look sad. Poor old thing. It's just as well it is a pink elephant, not a real one. Why, what difference would that make? If it was a real elephant, it couldn't fly. Fly? Fly? Elephants don't fly. I don't see why not. Pink straw elephants could fly. <laughs> Ridiculous! Who ever heard of such a thing? The elephant is a pretty bird. Its hair is long and wavy. It makes its nest in a rhubarb tree and lays its eggs in gravy. <laughs> Ridiculous! 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 How about this? The elephant is a pretty bird. It flits from bough to bough. It makes its nest in a rhubarb tree and whistles like a cow. <laughs> Ridiculous! Ridiculous! Ooh! I see, yes. Perhaps that's how it lost its ears. Yes, I think that may be how it lost its ears. I think. Yes. Yes. Well, little elephants, little pink elephants made of straw, should not go flying in the rain. Well, this one did. Look what happened to him.
What a sad story. That poor elephant all alone on a desert island. Oh, poor elephant, poor elephant. So Bagpuss thought again. Well, that poor pink straw elephant was alone on a desert island. But worse than that, he couldn't fly because his ears were all wet and tattered. In fact, they were coming away at the cotton where they were sewn on. And worst of all, he was hungry. how the elephant lost his ears. He gave them to the mice so they could use them as a boat. wretched piece of straw. What it needs, first of all, is a good clean-up.
polish his toes, toes, toes. Me will polish his toes, toes, toes. Hey, Presto, how is that? Oh, that's much better. <laughs> yes, but he still hasn't got any ears. Well, perhaps he doesn't need to have ears. It may never have had any ears. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> of course it has ears. All elephants have ears. I don't see why it has to have ears. I mean, lots of animals and birds can hear perfectly well without having great flippy, floppy, flappy ears. Yeah, yeah. Hello. Yeah, what are you looking for, Mike? There's a roll of ear music. Ear song. You sing it. We play the pictures. All right, then. Where is it? about. If you wear the morning lark and singing high above the park, the last thing you would ask to have is ears. Good, yes, yes, yes that's right, ears. Now, what on earth is that supposed to be? I, I know. If you were a garden snail and lived below the kitchen pail, the last thing you would say you'll have is ears. Oh, yes, that's right. What on earth is that? <laughs> it looks like a crocodile. Crocodile with ears. <laughs> oh, I know. Poor old knobbly crocodile has lost his warm inviting smile because he's made to wear a pair of ears. <laughs> like a fish. No, it's a dolphin. If you were a mighty dolphin, you would find it quite revolting if you grew a pair of flappy ears. <laughs> what on earth is that? I think that must be a person. You know, a bloke. Um, you couldn't call that odd bloke a shipping clerk or stockbroker because he wears a pair of hairy ears. <laughs> that will do, that will do. That was a terrible rhyme, odd bloke, uh, stockbroker. <laughs> and it hasn't done the elephant any good at all. Yeah, now, mice, the elephant is your friend. You must decide what to do about his ears. We leave the decision entirely to you. Oh, 
It's a hat. It is a sort of hat with ears. What a good idea. A hat with sort of flaps at the sides. The mice fitted it very carefully on the elephant's head. It suited him very well. Then they pushed him to the front of the window and left him there so that if anybody came past who had lost a pink straw elephant without any ears, they would see him and come in to collect him. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Now, one day, Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh, hear what I sing. was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. 
sort of mouse would live in that sort of house. I know. I know who lives in oh, it. Do you, Charlie Mouse? Well, you tell me. A miller. A miller. Yes, of course. That is a mill. And that is the mill wheel on the side. It's a water mill. Of course. We know a song about a miller, don't we, Gabriel? That's right. And the mice have a roll of music for it, too. Snow, hail and wind. 
and sweet again as the year will go. Baker, baker, the flower is here, soft and fine and bland. Baker, baker, get out of bed, put that silly old hat on your head. Bake me a loaf of golden bread and then I'll go. Blow the wind and rain the rain, fall the shivery snow. Soon the sun will shine again as the year will go. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Well, well, certainly we don't really know what it is, except that it is some sort of mill or house. We don't know who lives there. I suppose somebody must live there. Now, please do be serious. We have to find out what that thing is for. It is a mouse mill. Who? Oh, is it a toy? No, not a toy. A real mouse mill. A real mouse mill. Well, what does it make? Chocolate biscuits. Chocolate biscuits. Hmm. Oh, ridiculous. Fiddlesticks and flapdoodle. There is no such thing as a mill that makes chocolate biscuits. What does it make the chocolate biscuits out of? Red crumbs and butter beans. Oh, no, 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 ridiculous, ridiculous. You can't. You can't make chocolate biscuits out of bread crumbs and butter beans. Are you ready, mice? All mice ready for duty. Very good, very good. Uh, thank you, Charlie Mouse. <laughs> mm, yes, well, uh, yes, 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 yes. Very well, very well. Carry on then. Thank you, thank you. Come on then, bring them over here. Bring them over to the bridge. Which do you want first? Breadcrumbs first, please.
Hey, look. A chocolate biscuit. Biscuits. I think I might just taste one. Mm, uh, uh, oh, oh, he's taking it away. They are chocolate biscuits, all right, Yaffle. The mice put breadcrumbs and butter beans in the top, and they work the mill, and out come chocolate biscuits. <laughs> impossible, impossible. I don't believe it. It isn't true. I'm going round the back to see what's happening. see what goes on here. Now then, there is the place where the breadcrumbs go in. And that leads down to, yes, the breadcrumb bag. <laughs> and that's the place where the butter beans went in. And that leads down to, yes, the butter bean bag. And then I suppose you mice wheel the bags round to the front and hoist them up again. <laughs> that's right. So what makes the chocolate biscuits? Put a chocolate biscuit on here. It slides down the chute. And we must bring it back again. So you used the same chocolate biscuits over and over again. That's right. Over and over again. So it's all a trick. You don't make chocolate biscuits out of butter beans and breadcrumbs. Oh, no. No, of course not. Butter beans and breadcrumbs, you can't make chocolate biscuits. It's a deception. It's an illusion. A rotten trick. Bagpuss, do you realize those mice have been playing a trick on us? Do you realize? Bagpuss, Bagpuss. Oh, yes, well, I thought it was a trick. I did sort of suspect it. I mean, you can't really make chocolate biscuits out of butter beans and... Look out, everybody. Bagpuss is going to sleep again. Push the mill into the window. Quick now. He'll be asleep in a minute. Hurry. Yaffle, back on your bookend. Quick. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him.
once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Now, one day, Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh, hear what I sing. was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. <coughs> and last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. I sometimes wish Miss Emily would bring things that aren't quite so broken. This is obviously some sort of statue, but what it is a statue of is another question, and not one that I can answer unless somebody can put it together again. Nobody ever made a statue as odd as that. No, no, I'm sure that's quite wrong. We will find it, we will find it. We will find it, we will find it. We will stick it with glue, glue, glue. We will stick a light every little bit of it. We will fix it like new, new, new. No, no, be careful. Oh, no, that's dangerous. Stop at once. That whole heap is dangerous. That heap has only got to fall on poor little Charlie Mouse and he would be squashed. Now, very carefully, 
take it to pieces again. Just one piece at a time, but very gently. Ooh, gently. Ooh, carefully. Here's a big piece, look. Look out, That will do. That is quite enough banging and smashing and playing about. Bagpuss, there's only one way to put those pieces together. You must tell one of your magic stories to see if that will mend it. Oh, well, I, I could, I suppose. Oh, yes, I don't know what it is, do I? I do. I know what it is. Do you, little Charlie Mouse? Well, you tell me what it is. It's a giant. A giant, giant. A big, 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 giant, giant. Think, 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 think for us, Yes, yes, a giant. A great, big, giant, giant. He was a good, friendly giant, but really rather large. And he had a drum which went... And he marched around the town with the boys in the village band. Drum. He drove the mayor and corporation out of the village hall and they hid their heads in a haystack. The only grown-up who liked the noise of the band was Mrs. Smithers Rowbottom. But then she was a magician in her spare time. All the other grown-ups hated the noise of the band and the one who hated it most of all was the model maker. He had just made a large figure of a drummer. He set it on the shelf in front of his shop as the band came down the hill. said the giant. Look, that is me. And he beat his drum. The statue smashed into a hundred pieces. The model maker was furious. The mayor and corporation were furious. The mayor said, go home to your cave, giant. You are too noisy. You are too large and you break things. The giant walked sadly away. He didn't mean any harm. He just liked playing in the band. He sat on the wall of a garden and felt sad. It was the garden of Mrs. Smithers Rowbottom. She saw how sad he was, so she propped her pruning ladder against him and climbed up to talk to him. The giant told her what had happened. He said, I don't mean to break things. I hate being so large. I really do wish I could be smaller. Don't worry, said Mrs. Smithers Rowbottom. I'll see what I can do. And she trotted to the scene of the accident where everybody was still standing and arguing. She bought the pieces of broken statue from the model maker for a silver penny. Right, she said. Come on, children, we must fit the pieces together. And she sat down with the children, and using the magic glue at the end of her umbrella, they fitted the pieces of broken statue together so beautifully you would never have known it had ever been broken. In fact, it looked so perfect, you would have thought it was alive. Mrs. Smithers Rowbottom pointed her umbrella at it. Giant, she said, will that do? 
statue beat its drum. Magic, shouted the children. Of course, said Mrs. Smithers Rowbottom. I am a magician. It's our giant, shouted the children. And then the smallest giant in the world, they paraded round and round the town, making a terrible, triumphant, lovely noise. Very good, Bagpuss, very good. Nothing like a bit of magic, I always say. There he is, the smallest giant in the world. It's not. It's a giant, giant, giant. Don't be ridiculous. That is a very small statue. It's big, it's big, it's big, giant, giant. No, 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 no. You are all perfectly right. It is all a matter of scale. All a matter of one thing being so much bigger than the other thing and so much smaller than something else. I don't know what you're talking about. That is a small statue, whatever way you look at it. All right then. Mice, we'll have to explain it to Professor Yaffle. Have you got the role for the Song of the Flea? Oh, oh, oh. 
by keen-nosed rhinoceros, a double humpy camel and a heavy hippopotamus, a snuffly giraffe wearing half a mile of scarf, cause his poor old neck is taller than a tree. And the largest and the last was the elephant. It's vast. Yes, of all the creatures there, and that includes the grizzly bear. The smallest of them all is the one you're calling tall. Yes, the smallest of them all was little me. <laughs> well, it's quite obvious what that is all about. The smaller you are, the larger the other things seem. You mice can think that is a giant if you like. But I still say, if that is a giant, it's the smallest giant in the world. Well, anyway, there it was in the shop window. So that if anybody who had lost a very small giant should happen to come past, they would see it there and come into the shop to collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Now, one day Emily found a thing and she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss 
dear bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. <coughs> Madeleine the rag doll. Gabriel the toad. <coughs> and last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> what a tangle of old rubbish. What a mix-up of twigs and sprigs and twisted bits. How on earth are we going to find out what it is, let alone what's wrong with it? about what to do next. Well, I know what I am going to do next. <laughs> I'm going to climb out of this tangle. Now then, what have we here? <laughs> there are different sorts of things here. Pieces of wood and lengths of woolly string and some twigs of, uh, what do they call the stuff? Um, old man's beard, I think. Well, I think the twigs of old man's beard have nothing whatever to do with the other things. I think they just got tangled in by accident. Old man's beard, hmm. Tangled in by accident, yes. What do you think, Bagpuss? Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, it was an accident. <laughs> yes, could have been dangerous, yes. They were lucky, really. What on earth are you talking about, Bagpuss? Oh, I was just thinking. I was thinking about the king of the carpet country. The king of the carpet country? Yes. Oh, yes. 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 Mm, it was a pleasant country. Yes. Not very far from here. I wish I could remember its proper name. I call it the carpet country because that is what most of the people there used to do make carpets. Now, unfortunately, it was a very poor country. Merchants would come from other richer countries to buy carpets, but I'm afraid they didn't think much of the carpets and they wouldn't pay much money for them. Now, the king of that country was King Frederick the Twenty-Ninth. He was worried because the people were poor and the carpets didn't sell well. He built a factory and put in it big looms, which are machines for weaving carpets. Long live King Frederick, shouted the carpet makers. King Frederick smiled and raised his crown and wiggled his long, long silver-white beard. Then King Fred went into the factory to look at one of the looms working. 
and the threads were too fine for his poor old eyes to see properly. He leaned over for a closer look, and then a dreadful thing happened. King Fred's beard is caught in the loom! A young rug weaver jumped for the brake, and the machine slowly came to a halt. The whole accident had only taken a few seconds, but already most of the king's beard was woven into the carpet on the machine. It looked simply wonderful. King Fred didn't think it looked wonderful because the other end of the beard was still on his chin, pulling his nose against the machine. And the young rug weaver stepped forward with his scissors. Shall I release your majesty? Please do, said King Fred. Snip, snip, snip. King Fred was free. Thank you, he said. You're a bright lad. Thank you for your help, but I really must go home now and start growing a new beard. Good afternoon. The king went home, and the carpet makers took the carpet from the loom. It was a very beautiful carpet with a marvellous silky, silvery sheen to it. Many rich merchants tried to buy the beautiful carpet, and the richest of all actually did buy it, and he paid a tremendous lot of money for it. And he said he would buy any more like that for the same price. Well, of course, they hadn't any more carpets like that, and it would take a long time for the king to grow a new one. And that day, many old men with long white beards came to the carpet factory. Buy our beards, they said. Only tenpence an inch. Well, then the carpet factory got busy. Beards were snipped off, washed white as snow, and hung on the hedgerows to dry. And then they were woven into carpets. They are magnificent carpets, said the richest merchant of all, but not as magnificent as the first one. They lack the silvery sheen the luminous, lustrous gloss of a truly royal beard. The merchants refused to buy any of the new carpets. The carpet makers were very sad. The young rug weaver took the message to King Fred, and King Fred sighed sadly. Now me, if only I could grow a beard quickly. I would give half my kingdom and my daughter's hand in marriage to anybody who could tell me how to grow a beard quickly enough to make carpets of it. Oh, the king's daughter looked at the young rug weaver and decided that if she was to marry anybody, she would like to marry him. And the young rug weaver thought the same about her. So, hand in hand, they ran to see the princess's great-aunt, who just happened to be a magician. Easy, she laughed. Just dance round the king and say this poem. Then, hand in hand, the young rug weaver and the princess ran back to the palace and danced round the king, chanting the poem. Beard, beard, grow, I say, grow by night and grow by day, grow for many hundred feet through the door and down the street. With a creak and a rustle, the king's beard began to grow. It rippled steadily across the throne room, glinting with streaks of pure silver. Through the door, along the great hall, and out into the street it slid. Three times round the palace it wound itself, and stopped at last by a sentry box, where it tickled the sentry. Oh, oh, that tickles. Snip, snip, snip. King Fred was free again. The carpet makers hoisted the beard onto their shoulders and carried it off in a splendid procession to the factory. There it was woven into enough carpets to make the country rich again. The young rug maker married the princess, and everybody was happy, except perhaps the other old men. They all wanted to have their beards made into carpets. They would cut them off and wash them and hang them in the hedgerows to dry, but nobody would buy them to make carpets. So they left them there. You can still see them sometimes in the hedgerows, 
white and fluffy. People call it old man's beard. No, 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 that is completely incorrect. No, old man's beard is just the nickname of a climbing plant. Clematis vitalia is its proper name, but you can call it uh, wild vine or virgin's bower or withy wind or traveller's joy. It's all the same plant. Well, it's only a story. And a very good story it was too. Look what it's done for the bits and pieces. Is it a making things Yes, I think that must be a loom. Yes, a loom for weaving. That's the same sort of machine that the king's beard was woven on. How did it work? I'm not sure. There's a warp and a weft and a shuttle in the middle and a... Oh, I don't know exactly. Madeleine, do you know about weaving? Weaving? Um, I only know a song about weaving. So do I. And the mice do too. Come on, mice. across and it makes woven cloth. That's what it is. Charlie Mouse has made a mouse's bed. The mice pulled the loom to the front of the window so that if anybody who had lost a tiny loom for making mouse beds should happen to come past, they would see it there and come in to collect it. And so their work was done. Oh, 
Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, Everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing and she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> a basket. Hmm, yes, a basket with things in it. How nice of Miss Emily to bring us a basket with things in it. I'm not at all sure what we're supposed to do with it. I can't see what the things are. Well, 
That's a twig broom. A tiny broom made of twigs. What's it for? What do you do, what do, you do with it? You brush the cobwebs out of the sky, don't you, Madeleine? That's right. Uh, if you can get up high enough, like the old woman. Eh? Which old woman? Where? Up in the sky. Oh, uh, eh? where? 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 What? There was an old woman tossed up in a basket Seventeen times as high as the moon Where she was going I couldn't but ask it For in her hand she carried a broom Old woman, old woman, old woman, quoth I Where are you going to up so high To brush the cobwebs out of the sky was an old woman tossed up in a basket seventeen times as high as the moon where she was going i couldn't but ask it in the hand she carried a broom old woman old woman old woman quoth i where are you going to up so high to brush the cobwebs out of the sky shall i go with you i by and by <laughs> it's all very unlikely. This basket couldn't possibly be the one the old woman was tossed up in. If indeed she ever was, and I certainly don't think she could have gone 17 times as high as the moon. <laughs> That's rather a long way up. The moon isn't nearly as far away as the sun. Isn't it, Janie Mouse? How do you know? My Uncle Henry once went to the sun. Or nearly. Your Uncle Henry. Oh, he was a church mouse, I think. Yes, that's right. Uncle Henry and Auntie Ada. They were church mice. They were very good church mice. They brought in daisies to decorate the church and even sang in the choir. But they had such small voices but nobody ever heard them and they were very poor because nobody ever left bacon rind or breadcrumbs in the collection for them or even seemed to know that they were there at all. Well, one day Uncle Henry said he wasn't going to be a poor church mouse any longer. He was going to be a rich church mouse. He was going to make a flying machine out of a little basket and some cabbage leaves and fly up and scrape some of the gold off the sun with a teaspoon. Auntie Ada said she thought the sun was rather a long way up, but Uncle Henry showed her that it was only just above the weathercock on the steeple. Uncle Henry and Auntie Ada flew their flying machine up into the sky. They flew it above the weathercock and up, up, up into the clouds and above the clouds. But however high they flew, the sun seemed just as far away as ever. The sun is running 
away from us, explained Uncle Henry. We must go home. They didn't quite know where their church was, and so by mistake, they came down in the bishop's palace beside the cathedral. They were lucky, though, because they were met by an important-looking cathedral mouse who was very wise and learned. He told them that the sun is not made of gold, but of fire, and is 93 million miles away. He also said there was plenty of bacon rind at the bishop's palace, and said the bishop would be happy to invite them to breakfast every day. They weren't poor church mice anymore. Would this basket fly? This basket here? No, of course not. Though I suppose it could be made to fly. There must be something that flaps air like a bird's wing does. I know. Mice, look on the shelf there, behind the blue and white jar. Come on, come oh, on, look. There are two sort of stick things here. Look. Thank you. Now. Look at this. Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? What is it for? This is a fan. You flap it and it blows cool air on you to keep you cool in warm weather. Like this. There. Lovely. That's nice. That's lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, what exactly are you all doing? We are going to make the basket into a flying machine by fixing these two fans to it. Well, I don't want to seem discouraging or anything, but I'm not sure that would really work. I, uh, <laughs> I happen to be, in my way, something of an expert on the subject of flying machines. Being something of an aeronaut myself. <laughs> well, no, 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 not at the moment, but... If you mice will be kind enough to fetch me the little green book third along from my bookend, I will be able to give you some proper information about flying machines. This yes, one? yes, that's the one. Hey. Careful! Oh, you have dropped it. Oh, well, well, it'll do there. Now, let us have a look. Where are we? Pratt's Aeronautics. Yes, yes, here we are. Come on, mice, come and look at this. From bits of string and this and that, a gentleman named Percy Pratt made quite a perfect aeroplane, then took it all apart again because it wouldn't fly. He made another one next day, a pity that it got away, and looped the loop above the town, then hurtled back and knocked him down. He sat and wondered why. His next machine, it was the third, he built of feathers like a bird. Flap, flap, he cried, and up I'll saw. I should have thought of it before. There's really no excuse. Just then he gave a mighty sneeze. The feathers, blown off by the breeze, went upwards, downwards, left and right, exactly like a pillow fight, and not a bit of use. I'll try once more, said Percy Pratt. If this one doesn't work, that's that. It didn't take him very long to make a plane with nothing wrong from every point of view. It may be true, as people tell, he couldn't drive it very well, and travelled, if I must be blunt, both upside down and back to front. But 
look at him. He flew. There we are. <laughs> you see, <laughs> if you want to know about a particular subject, you must study it in detail. Otherwise, you will never make a flying machine that really flies. This flying machine really flies? This one? But this couldn't fly. No, 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 no. It's basically unsound. The whole idea is ridiculous. It can't possibly. Oh. A clever young mouse, he made a contraption. Flippity flappity, up it fly. Pulling the handle with delicate action. Flippity flappity, up it fly. Oh, Yaffle, oh, Yaffle, so clever and wise. Look at us, look at us, off we fly. Easy, it's easy, we're only just trying. Do you really believe your eyes? Eh, what? 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 What's going on up there? What did you say, mice? What? Oh, Yaffle, oh, Yaffle, now have a good look. Are you quite sure we are really flying? This isn't the way that they flew in the book. Yaffle, oh, Yaffle, just use your eyes. What? What? There's something odd going on up there. Hmm, it's a trick. Look, Madeleine, Gabriel, Bagpuss, look, look, they aren't flying at all. <laughs> They're on a string. They are being hoisted about on a string. That's right, Yaffo, you've noticed. <laughs> so, the mice placed the basket carefully in the corner of the window and left it there. So that if an old woman who wanted to brush the cobwebs out of the sky should happen to come past, she would see it there and perhaps come in to collect it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. Once upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, 
everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost, and Emily had found, and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. <laughs> A piece of cloth. Hmm. Thin cloth with markings on it. Well, I don't know. I really don't know. I haven't the slightest idea what this thing is, or was, or is going to be. Well, I should say it's probably a piece of cloth. I know what it is. It's a house. A house? A house for a mouse? No, a house for a rag doll. Nef, 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 ridiculous. That is a piece of cloth, not a house. Who could live in a house made of cloth? It would fall down. A rag doll. A doll made of rag. But what would a rag doll do all day in a rag house? Read rag books. Dance ragtime dances. No, 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 no. You are not being serious. This is a serious question. What would a rag doll do? What would he eat? Cloth sausages. No, no, no. Red flannel soup. No, 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 no. Green velvet jelly on white buttoned plates. No, Bagpuss. Bagpuss, these mice are being silly again. That piece of cloth couldn't be a house, could it? What do you think? Oh, well, I'll try and think. But that isn't an easy thing to think about. I shall need a thinking cap. I know. Use the piece of cloth as a thinking cap. Come on, it's we'll hold it, we will hold it. We will pat it down nice and gladly. We will string it on, we will pin it on. Feather hat or a thinking cap.
Oh, yes. Yes, of course. That is a house. You were quite right, mice. It's a rag doll's house, just like the one made by Uncle Fiedel. Uncle Fiedel? Who's Uncle Fiedel? I know Uncle Fiedel. Yes, we know about Uncle Fiedel. We'll sing about him if you think about him. So Bagpuss thought. Oh, yes, Uncle Fiedel. There he is. There was a man made all a rag. His name was Uncle Fiedel. His coat, it was a barley bag, all sewed up with a needle. His nose was rag, his toes were rag, his legs were Harry's tweedle. His eyes were dots of cotton frocks, they called him Uncle Fiedel. Uncle Fiedel was a rag doll. He walked through the ragdoll country, where it is always summer and the green velvet leaves grew on the hedges, and all the year the flowers bloomed in the prettiest materials you ever saw. Uncle Fiedel needed nothing. If he was hungry, he just had to unpick a cotton cauliflower or a corduroy carrot, and there was his dinner. If he was tired, he just had to find a cotton wool bush and lie himself down on it. Wasn't it odd, then, that one day he found himself feeling sad? He felt he needed something. He felt he needed a house. A house to live in, with a real bed in it. Old Uncle Fiedel had no house, dear little Uncle Fiedel. He had no bed, he had no house, poor little Uncle Fiedel. Poor little Uncle, silly old Uncle, hadn't got a bed, so he took a bag of cloth and rag a roll of Uncle Fiedel emptied all the pieces and patches of cloth out of his rag bag and set them out on the green velvet grass. The other rag dolls saw him working away and they were very puzzled. Then they asked him what he was making. And when he said he was making a house, they were even more puzzled. But Uncle Fiedel went on working. He laid out pieces of calico and bombazine and watered silk and purple plush. Then he started to work. Now first he sewed the kitchen wall with cotton thread and needle. With stitches small, the windows tall were sewn by Uncle Fiedel. The curtains lush were purple plush and bombazine the mantle. A bottle of milk was water, silk and calico the candle. Uncle Fiedel sewed and stitched and patched and cobbled until he had made the pieces of the four walls of his house, with pictures on the walls and tables and chairs sewn on. He even made a real bed from a quilted patch of old eiderdown to go inside his own house. Everything went well, until he sewed the walls and the roof together. And then suddenly the trouble started. His house would not stand up. It was made of rag and it was all flippy-floppy. Uncle Fiedel tried and tried, but every time he nearly made it stand up, one bit of it would bend, and down it would all go, flap on top of him. Well, of course, all the other rag dolls knew how to make things made of rags stay up. The same way as they stayed up, they were stuffed with cotton wool. So they all marched out into the fields and gathered loads of cotton wool flowers from the cotton wool bushes for Uncle Fiedel to stuff his house with. Then Uncle Fiedel's house stood up beautifully. But there was still one thing wrong with it. 
What was it? Well, of course, Uncle Fiedel's house was so full of stuffing, he couldn't get into it. He couldn't go in through the door. He couldn't lie on his new bed or use any of the useful things he had sewn because his house was full of cotton wool. Well, that really was a problem. All the rag dolls sat down and thought as hard as they could. Then one small rag doll had an idea. She said, Why don't you have the inside of your house on the outside? It is always warm here and it never rains, so there is no need to have the indoors indoors. You could have the indoors out of doors. That's a good idea, shouted Uncle Fiedel. He jumped up and quick as a flash, he emptied the stuffing out of his house, turned it inside out and stuffed it full again. And there it was, a lovely house with the inside on the outside. The fireplace and the mantelpiece and even the grandfather clock were on the outside. Yes, said Uncle Fiedel, I like that house. It suits me. Now Fiedel's house was inside out. Clever old Uncle Fiedel. The out was in, the in was out. It suited Uncle Fiedel. One wall kitchen, one wall parlour, one wall was the bedroom. He laid his head on his quilted bed. Sleepy Uncle Fiddle. What's a pretty story. What's a delightful story. Absolute rubbish, every word of it, but quite delightful. <laughs> and you, Bagpuss, you look quite absurd with that piece of cloth on your head. <laughs> yes, Bagpuss, give it to me. I will finish sewing it up. But, Bagpuss, I still say that is quite an extraordinary place for anyone to live. Oh, I don't know. People live in much more extraordinary places than that. Take these mice, for instance. My soul, my soul, tell us true. Tell us the place that is home for you. Yes, yes, I love you all. Yes. 
that there are rather a lot of you. Oh, down you get. Down you get. Here is the rag doll's house, all finished. Oh, yes. That is very handsome. That's not Uncle Fiedel's house, because that one has the outside on the outside, like an ordinary house. So the mice took cotton wool from the cupboard. And they stuffed the little house with it. And when it was full of stuffing, they dragged it to the front of the window and left it there. So that if a homeless rag doll should happen to come past, he would see it there and come in and live in it. And so their work was done. Bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course, when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. upon a time, not so long ago, there was a little girl and her name was Emily. And she had a shop. There it is. It was rather an unusual shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost, and Emily had found, and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat, Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, the most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day, Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Bagpuss, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh, hear what I sing. Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who is 
a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. an old, grotty old, bashed up old bucket. The things Miss Emily brings. A rusty old, dusty old Irish bucket with a hole in it. Irish bucket? How do you know it's an Irish bucket? Well, uh, <laughs> it's an Irish bucket. I, uh, but I know it's an Irish bucket. Does it matter? Certainly it matters. That must be a special bucket. Maybe a magic bucket. Magic? What could be magic about a bit of old iron like that? Well, for a start, why is it smoking? Smoking? Yes, look. There is smoke coming out of it. Oh, look, smoke! Bucket Hey, wait a minute. Mice, mice, hang on, wait. Don't go pouring water on a leprechaun. They don't like it. Leprechaun? What's in a leprechaun? A leprechaun is one of the little people. The tiny magic people who are supposed to live in Ireland. And unless I'm mistaken, there's a leprechaun in that Irish bucket. No, oh, ridiculous, ridiculous. Leprechauns are just in stories. They are mythical, they aren't real. Well, perhaps we aren't real either. Anyway, real or not, he's playing the fiddle. Too. Ah, yes. I know that fiddle and the player. That's Seamus O'Hoolihan himself. Seamus O'Hoolihan of Gillicuddy. Oh, yes, that's him. Yeah, I remember Seamus O'Hoolihan. Come to think of it, I remember he lived in a bucket. The last time I saw that bucket, it was in the far west of Ireland, I think. I think. Yes, the far west of Ireland in a peat bog. There it was, smoking away. I remember I didn't notice the smoke. I sat on it. <coughs> Will you let me out? <coughs> Will you get off? You're choking me. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't know. <coughs> there, there I am, peacefully smoking a trail for me dinner, and you have to come and sit on me chimney. Oh, I beg your pardon. I, I, I didn't know it was your chimney. Ah, well, it's no matter. Now you've caught me, aren't you going to ask me where's my crock of gold? Crock of gold? What's a crock of gold? Don't you know what a crock of gold is? Ah, sure, you're an ignorant old bagpuss. Listen, I'll tell you. Every leprechaun has a crock of gold hidden away somewhere. It'll be an earthenware pot, and it'll be full of gold coins and pieces and brooches. Do you understand that? Oh, yes, yes. Good. Well, now, the story is, if you catch a leprechaun and grab him and hold him tight, you can say to him, where's your crock of gold? And he'll have to tell you. Oh, is that right? Well, don't worry. I don't want your crock of gold. Ah, Bagpuss, what a pleasure it is to meet you. I remember the last time I was caught, it was right in the middle of Michael O'Sullivan's field of cabbages. Forty acres it was, and every foot a cabbage. Think of it, Bagpuss. Forty acres of cabbages. Oh, right-o. I'll think of it while you tell me what happened, eh? I'm good at thinking. I think. I think. Forty acres of cabbages. Well, there it is. Ah, that was it. Yes. There I was, 
There were nobody any harm, burying my crack of gold in a safe place underneath one of the cabbages. And suddenly, like it was from out of nowhere, up jumps Michael O'Sullivan himself. Big Gara, says he, or words to that effect. So I've caught you at last, Seamus O'Hoolihan. So it seems, says I. And I don't need to tell you where me crock of gold is hidden. That you don't, says he. Because I saw you bury it under that cabbage. Now I run home for me spade to dig it up. Well now, says I. That's a stupid thing to do. There's thousands of cabbages here in this field. How will you know which one it is when you come back? That stopped him. There's intelligent yeah, says he. And he took out his big knife and with one swipe he cut the cabbage clean in half down the middle. And he dashes off home to fetch his spade. Well, as it happened, he had a bit of a job catching his spade. Because once he was out of sight, I played a little tune on me old fiddle like this. Now, this is a powerful agricultural jig. And as soon as they heard it, every spade, axe, knife and cleaver came dancing out of their sheds and barns. Chomp, 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 chomp. Michael O'Sullivan had chased his spade and caught it and made it stand still long enough for him to carry it. I was half a mile away and almost every cabbage in that field was split clean in half. Ah, he was upset with Michael O'Sullivan. I should think so too. So would I be spoiling a whole field of cabbages like that. Ah, I dare say. But I'll tell you the truth. I was sorry for the fool O'Sullivan. So that night I played another tune on me fiddle. A sweet mending lullaby it was. Like this. And in no time at all, every cabbage in the field was mended and growing like mad again. Oh, yes, that's a beautiful tune. Ah, sure, you're a wise cat, and I'm glad to know you. I tell you what I'll do. One day, when you've got nothing else to do, I'll send me fiddle to play you a dance. How's that? Well, that's very kind of you. I look forward to that, I said. And he turned his bucket over with him underneath it, and that was the last I saw or heard of Shem Sahulahan from that day to this. I wonder if that's the same bucket. Push! Yes, look, look, there it is. It's a fiddle. Charlie Mouse, you can play the fiddle beautifully. Oh, no. No, I wasn't. The fiddle was playing itself. Do you know Brian Olin? That's it. That's it. That's right. But wait for the mice. No breeches to wear. 
So he got an old sheepskin to make him a pair. With the flesh inside out and the wool inside in, they'll be pleasant and cool, says Brian O'Lynn. Now Brian O'Lynn had no shirt to his back. So he went to a neighbor's and borrowed a sack. He pockets the meal bag up under his chin. They'll take them for ruffles, says Brian O'Lynn. Now Brian O'Lynn was hard up for a coat. So he borrowed the skin of a neighboring goat. With the horn sticking out of his pocket, so then they'll take them for pistols, says Brian O'Lynn. Brian O'Lynn had no shoes for his toes. He hopped into crab shells to serve him for those. Then he split up two horses that match like the twins. They'll shine out like buckles, says Brian O'Lynn. Now Brian O'Lynn had no watch to put on. So he seemed out a turn in to make himself one. Then he played the young cricket for a slip of skin. It's a ticking, says Brian O'Lynn. Now Brian O'Lynn to his house had no door. He'd the sky for a roof and the bog for a floor. He'd a way to jump out and a way to swim in. It's a fine habitation, says Brian O'Lynn. gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep. And of course when Bagpuss goes to sleep, all his friends go to sleep too. The mice were ornaments on the mouse organ. Gabriel and Madeleine were just dolls. And Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. shop because it didn't sell anything. You see, everything in that shop window was a thing that somebody had once lost and Emily had found and brought home to Bagpuss. Emily's cat Bagpuss. The most important, the most beautiful, 
The most magical, saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Well now, one day Emily found a thing. And she brought it back to the shop and put it down in front of Magpus, who was in the shop window, fast asleep as usual. But then Emily said some magic words. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. And Bagpuss was wide awake. And when Bagpuss wakes up, all his friends wake up too. The mice on the mouse organ woke up and stretched. Madeleine, the rag doll. Gabriel, the toad. And last of all, Professor Yaffle, who was a very distinguished old woodpecker. He climbed down off his bookend and went to see what it was that Emily had brought. basket with things in it. How nice of Miss Emily to bring us a basket with things in it. I'm not at all sure what we're supposed to do with it. I can't see what the things are. the cobwebs out of the sky, don't you, Madeleine? That's right. Uh, if you can get up high enough, like the old woman. Who? Eh? Which old woman? Where? Up in the sky. Oh, uh, where? 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 What? very unlikely. This basket couldn't possibly be the one the old woman was tossed up in, if indeed she ever was. And I certainly don't think she could have gone 17 times as high as the moon. <laughs> That's rather a long way up. The moon isn't nearly as far away as the sun. Isn't it, Janie Mouse? How do you know? 
my Uncle Henry once went to the sun. Or nearly. Your Uncle Henry. Well, he was a church mouse, I think. Yes, that's right. Uncle Henry and Auntie Ada. They were church mice. They were very good church mice. They brought in daisies to decorate the church and even sang in the choir. But they had such small voices that nobody ever heard them. And they were very poor because nobody ever left bacon rind or breadcrumbs in the collection for them or even seemed to know that they were there at all. Well, one day Uncle Henry said he wasn't going to be a poor church mouse any longer. He was going to be a rich church mouse. He was going to make a flying machine out of a little basket and some cabbage leaves and fly up and scrape some of the gold off the sun with a teaspoon. Auntie Ada said she thought the sun was rather a long way up. But Uncle Henry showed her that it was only just above the weathercock on the steeple. Uncle Henry and Auntie Ada flew their flying machine up into the sky. They flew it above the weathercock and up, up, up into the clouds and above the clouds. But however high they flew, the sun seemed just as far away as ever. The sun is running away from us, explained Uncle Henry. We must go home. They didn't quite know where their church was. And so, by mistake, they came down in the bishop's palace beside the cathedral. They were lucky, though, because they were met by an important-looking cathedral mouse who was very wise and learned. He told them that the sun is not made of gold, but of fire, and is 93 million miles away. He also said there was plenty of bacon rind at the bishop's palace, and said the bishop would be happy to invite them to breakfast every day. They weren't poor church mice anymore. Would this basket fly? This basket here? No, of course not. Though I suppose it could be made to fly. There must be something that flaps air like a bird's wing does. I know. Mice, look on the shelf there, behind the blue and white jar. Thank you. Now, look at this. Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? What is it for? This is a fan. You flap it and it blows cool air on you to keep you cool in warm weather. Like this. There. Now, what exactly are you all doing? We are going to make the basket into a flying machine by fixing these two fans to it. Well, I don't want to seem discouraging or anything, but I'm not sure that would really work. I, uh, <laughs> I happen to be in my way something of an expert on the subject of flying machines. Being something of an aeronaut myself. <laughs> well, no, 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 not at the moment, but if you mice will be kind enough to fetch me the little green book third along from my bookend, I will be able to give you some proper information about flying machines. This yes, one? yes, that's the one. Hey. Careful! Oh, you have dropped it. Oh, well, well, it'll do there. Now, let us have a look. Where are we? 
Tracts Aeronautics. Yes, yes, here we are. Come on, mice, come and look at this. From bits of string and this and that, a gentleman named Percy Pratt made quite a perfect aeroplane, then took it all apart again because it wouldn't fly. He made another one next day, a pity that it got away, and looped the loop above the town, then hurtled back and knocked him down. He sat and wondered why. His next machine, it was the third, he built of feathers like a bird. Flap, flap, he cried, and up I'll soar. I should have thought of it before, there's really no excuse. Just then he gave a mighty sneeze. The feathers, blown off by the breeze, went upwards, downwards, left and right, exactly like a pillow fight, and not a bit of use. I'll try once more, said Percy Pratt. If this one doesn't work, that's that. It didn't take him very long to make a plane with nothing wrong from every point of view. It may be true, as people tell, he couldn't drive it very well, and travelled, if I must be blunt, both upside down and back to front. But look at him. He flew. There we are. <laughs> you see, <laughs> if you want to know about a particular subject, you must study it in detail. Otherwise, you will never make a flying machine that really flies. This flying machine really flies? This one? But this couldn't fly. No, 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 no. But it's basically unsound. The whole idea is ridiculous. It can't possibly. Oh. Something odd going on up there. Hmm. It's a trick. Look, Madeleine, Gabriel, Bagpuss. Look, look, they aren't flying at all. <laughs> on a string. They are being hoisted about on a string. That's right, Yaffle. You've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> to brush the cobwebs out of the sky should happen to come past she would see it there and perhaps come in to collect it and so their work was done bagpuss gave a big yawn and settled down to sleep and of course when bagpuss goes to sleep all his friends go to sleep too the mice were ornaments on the mouse organ gabriel and madeleine were just dolls Professor Yaffle was a carved wooden bookend in the shape of a woodpecker. Even Bagpuss himself, once he was asleep, was just an old, saggy cloth cat. Baggy and a bit loose at the seams. But Emily loved him. 